0: <receptive。laughs> wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s. A time of am-rays and clamshells. A time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs. A time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of Blockbuster Video. The Walmart of the video rental industry. The mom and pop video store killer. The corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars, who are in the know, arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the TalkBuster podcast. This is a special one. I haven't done one of these in over a year, and I'm really, really happy to be chatting with all of you again. I just wish it was something that I was more excited to talk about, but we'll get into that. Um, before I start, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. You are Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Andrew Krause, Robert V. Aldrich, Greg Downing, Mike the Gatherer, Kevin Vie, Peregrine, Geeks with Shields podcast, Green Goblin, and Brendan Agnew. And before I get into the guest that I have today, I would like to go on full nepotism and say that this week's episode was brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week's Each each week, hosts Axel and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. And even though today is technically a review, I don't want to just be speaking into the ether, so I have invited Ulrich from the Geeks with Shields podcast on to be my sounding board for what I'm going to talk about today. Ulrich, how the hell are you? pretty good and i am always amused when you say nepotism like hey we
1: buy our ad space free and clear yes with blood well not our blood but yes
0: (laughs) the blood of the non-believers there's a whole lot of them it's real easy so um today i uh I'm, i'm talking about something that um i've been thinking about a lot people in the uh, the video rental hemisphere have been um, awaiting its release with bated breath to see how it worked out, and you have not seen it yet, but you've seen my sounding board notes. Um, we're going to talk about the Netflix blockbuster television show. Um, so, what is it called? Is it? It's just called blockbuster? blockbuster. Just called blockbuster. Just called blockbuster. Even the name is uninspired. Correct and and you know they could have called it the last blockbuster but then there's already a documentary called the last blockbuster So then the show is about the last blockbuster but it's not about the last blockbuster it's about a fictional
1: last A last blockbuster
0: Yeah so before I get into anything about this show Um, I know that the folks that made the documentary about the actual Last Store, which is in Bend, Oregon, and for everyone listening, it still exists. You can go there, you can go to their website, you can call them, you can buy from them, and you can watch the documentary about them. I know that for them, any sort of business is good business. So when they made the documentary about the Last Store, a lot of people were like, oh, interesting. Because the first time they saw that documentary was on Netflix. Because Netflix got one of the distribution rights to it. And everybody said then, oh, stupid Netflix. Way to put a nail in the coffin. You know, you killed Blockbuster and now you're here just rubbing it in their face again. But that documentary was not made by Netflix. It was made by a local filmmaker from Bend named Taylor Morden. Great guy. I've had him on this show. Um, he's a documentary filmmaker. And he wanted to make a documentary about the final blockbusters in the world. There were three or four of them when he started. And when the last one ended up being the last one, it just happened to be in Bend where he lived, and he didn't even know it. So it was kind of like a cool story there. Sandy Harding runs that store. She's been on my show. The thing that I want to say first before going into this show at all is neither of these people were consulted at all about this show. And that put a bad taste in my mouth from the beginning I've talked to people who have been involved in this show People who are on the, you know, um, wardrobe side of it People who want to make sure they got the look and everything right They seemed like great people, they asked great questions But even they, when you'd say, you know You really should reach out to the last blockbuster for these questions They'll be able to tell you They were very adamant on, no, this is something different We don't want to speak to them so it's gotta be a money thing, right? It's it's gotta be. I don't really know what, like, because no matter what they do, it's still gonna get that final store business. Like that fake tw- that fake Twitter account, the last lone blockbuster, is not the last blockbuster in the world. But so
1: I, I I'm just wondering, and this is all stuff that I don't understand like if they consulted them is our consultation fee would it be a producer credit like there's something going on on the business end that made them so they're like no we will not talk consult or acknowledge
0: and it's weird right because it's all speculation and i hope to someday talk to them maybe even on this show and get you know their the, the truth On how they feel but in the background Not to put words in their mouth speaking to them is just yeah it just doesn't leave A good taste in our mouths but we're cautiously Optimistic that it'll be good Because it'll bring us business but Yeah remember, I mean they win in the end But yeah, it's a really weird omission When you think about it But Blockbuster isn't a thing This is the thing that I gotta remind people Blockbuster is owned by Dish Network Dish yeah. Network block, bought the name Blockbuster When corporate went out in 2015 they have owned it since 2015, and even Sandy, who runs the last store, has to reapply to use the name every few years. You can see it in the documentary. She almost was about to lose, you know, the name and had to reapply. Of course, Dish Network is just getting, you know, royalties at this point from it. So, of course, they're not going if, to, if a store is making money, they're not going to give the name up. But. I don't know what happened in the background Because in the background Blockbuster Gets the rights to put this documentary Out Everybody either anger watched Or lovingly watched that documentary In hopes that they'd either see Netflix you know roasting The thing that they supposedly destroy Which isn't 100% the truth um, Or They'd watch it and love it and either way Think huh, oh, this is a little weird that Netflix would do This but There's a million other things Um, I've had the gentleman that ran The second to last blockbusters in the world In Canada and Alaska And he was the largest franchisee ever of blockbuster And even he, you know Would have more interesting stories to tell About, you know, how that bounces around And, you know, how we ended up where we did Why Netflix is all of a sudden just like Okay, we're going to make this show It just doesn't make sense. I can answer that. Other than to make money.
1: Yeah, no, they saw... Because that block... The documentary did big numbers for them. It did. And I... The way it reads to me... Is this was a script or a pitch... Or a treatment... That had been sitting on the shelf for a while... And they saw how big Blockbuster was. So they filed the name off the show called it Blockbuster and marketed it as the last Blockbuster and then went from there.
0: Right. No, 100%. And and the people watching the show probably think, you know, a large portion of them because we have all the information in the world and none of the information in the world at our fingertips all at the same time. There's a lot of people that think, "Oh, this is probably just about that last store." That have never watched Well, they watched just the they documentary. see Block
1: Well, they just see Blockbuster and go, "Oh, I know Blockbuster." Cuz don't quote me on this, but I'm fairly certain that Randall Park signed on to this because he loved the documentary, not because he loved the script for the show.
0: Correct. And he's he's been quoted in saying that that he and and I think a lot of the cast likely did. Um Because this is a decent cast of people. These people have been in other stuff. Um, Randall Park is actually a great actor. Um, I'll talk about how he actually is in this when I I get into the review. But I just wanted to make sure I approached it by setting the record straight that this is entirely... You can't get more of a corporate manufactured thing than this show. Which is really ironic that it's about Blockbuster. And the real Blockbuster story of the last Blockbuster, for anyone interested, and if you want to go watch the documentary, is that not only were they the last Blockbuster in the world, but they were a franchise that stood out the test of time after corporate disappeared. So now not only are they the last Blockbuster, but they were a mom and pop shop that Blockbuster bought out 30 years ago that now has outlived Blockbuster. So that like small business wins in the end thing that this show definitely touches on but doesn't really lean into is the true story. And it's it's really kind of interesting the way this show plays out. It just doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth. And I'm, I'm going to go through it in detail because I lived it for those that are coming onto this show for the first time I worked for Blockbuster for eight years. Um, I worked for Blockbuster just before they started getting DVDs all the way through to right around the time HD DVD and Blu-ray were fighting. So I worked in stores that were VHS heavy all the way through to the types of stores you're seeing shown in this show, oh. which are just DVDs. And you know, but, but the nostalgia that I have is for my job. And I I talk about it on this show a lot It's not that I love the big corporation Blockbuster and you know how awful They were to us and how awful they were to mom and Pops I loved going into That store talking to my friends talking to Customers you and I even um, Ulrich and me and other people on the show Have talked about when Twitter Is good that's what Twitter Feels like it's like I'm having A conversation with like-minded people About stuff that I am aggressively Into and it's it's awesome, and it's happy, and I feel seen, and I feel like I'm with like-minded people, and that's what a video store was really like. And the show overall, and I'll talk about episode to episode, the show overall, because it seems like you said, like it came from a generic script for any store. Maybe it's any dying store, maybe it's any, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't feel Like it really needs to be a blockbuster And that's what it's really missing Is you know A movie like Clerks All the way into Clerks 3 Which I know you also haven't seen Those work because not only Are they about the type of people Who would work in a store like that But their problems are the problems Of a type of person that would work in a store like that And you can relate to it Mm -hmm. You You can relate to it This is Really difficult to relate to, even as a person who lived it, because it's trying to be a blockbuster video that would exist now, but it isn't really doing the stories of a blockbuster video that exists now. It's doing stories about nowadays people dropping nowadays pop culture references with nowadays Twitter jokes and nowadays this and nowadays that. That also they remind you every 10 minutes or so that, hey, isn't it funny that we work in this outdated store instead of the, the problems and the issues and the situations, the sitcom part of it being inherently because they're in a blockbuster. And that's the part that kills me is if you listen to this show, this, you know, 50 plus episodes of this show that I've done, it's br- brimming with people. That worked this life, whether it was at a Blockbuster, a Hollywood video, a GameStop, wherever it was You could write 20 seasons of a show Just based on the stories I've shared with people here And they barely get 3 good episodes on a 10 episode show Out of those kinds of stories And that's the really friggin heartbreaking part of this show Is not only is it lazily pulling a been there done that script again from vanessa ramos who's done superstore brooklyn 99 mr Ke- mayor keenan these are shows people like this person can write this writing staff can write but it all feels like cutting room floor ideas from all those shows and the funny thing is when superstore
1: was good that would have been perfect for blockbuster yes because they poked so much fun at the corporate culture of it all, but kind of kept the true-to-the-experience stories of working retail in a big box store. Right. Like, those little cut jokes of Superstore are some of the funniest shit ever. Because if you've worked retail, you're like, oh yeah, no, definitely been there. Definitely seen that. Yeah. And now, I don't—you were cautiously optimistic on this for a while—
0: I was I became, optimistic.
1: I became wary the minute I heard they weren't setting it in the 90s. It's like, well, there goes your first big opportunity. And then that trailer came out, and I'm like, oh, this looks generic as
0: fuck. And, and it and it really is. And um that, that's the biggest failure in the whole thing. And and the thing that angers me the most about it is it's the missed opportunity of it all. It's like you there's a lot of people like me. And then there's a lot of people that rented at Blockbuster. And I don't think this show is for either of them. Do you know what I mean? This Yeah, show well, there's is- a nostalgic experience
1: that a lot of us have of going to a video rental store, doesn't matter what it was called, and going through that whole process of picking out a movie and finding a movie. And there's that. And I think that there's something really interesting that could be done with that, of doing that in a contemporary setting and kind of tapping into that nostalgia of, wouldn't that be fun to do today? Yes. Because there are times that I do miss that. Like, I really do detest circling through Netflix or the various apps and then I remember going back to my old video rental store. And that was like a thing that me and the roommates did with like, all right, we're going here. It's so-and-so's night to choose. We're going to hit the new release wall first. There's nothing on there. All right, we're going into the genres and we're going right. to find something. We're not leaving here without getting something. And a lot of times it ended up being a blind grab of, well,
0: we're leaving with something. And this one has a funny title. Right. And and this show definitely it has sprinklings of that. That it heard loud and clear But they come off as a really good fact checker That talked to someone like me That went okay We have this situation involving You know this person going on a quadruple date And how do we work that into Blockbuster You know Instead of we have this really good premise And we're going to make it be about You You like For example I, I'll, I'll start with talking about the cast Okay We've got Randall Park as Timmy. Randall Park is a good actor. We love Randall Park. Randall Park's been in a lot of stuff. For the first three episodes of the show, he sounds like a robot. He sounds like a robot that's blindly reading the script. he He's not in it at all. Later on in the show, there's they put in a lot of like things about small business and things about, um, you know, this being, you know, my, my home. And I always feel, Welcome here and I really like walking around And you know finding people the right movie To help them with a breakup and stuff like this And I went that shit's inspired Why did it take you three episodes to get to it And why did he not seem interested So Timmy is the store manager of the last blockbuster in existence Melissa Famaro plays Eliza Eliza is his best friend from childhood That he also had a thing for back in the Don't day when know. they first worked with each other at blockbuster you you, you getting the tropes already but again uh, just these two characters alone spend the majority of the 10 episodes of the show t- telling you stories about fun stuff that happened to them when they worked at the store in the late 90s why not just show us that show yeah because that's where the interesting one is
1: right is- You get the nostalgia for this experience. You get '90s nostalgia, which I maintain we are sorely lacking because we are just trapped in an
0: '80s miasma of nostalgia. Agreed. This beyond done with. This show could have taken place on the turning point of Y2K. They even do a Y2K similar episode as their tenth episode, and everyone jokes this is just like Y2K all over again. Why not just do that episode in in 1999? You know, maybe don't even go ninety nine, but
1: like start like ninety seven, ninety eight. Because good God, could we use some optimism and remembering what it was like to have optimism?
0: Yes, of course. It, you know, I my one my first two months at Blockbuster, the trade center got hit. Oof! So a week of my time working there was spent just standing there with people coming into the store to watch our store play of all the coverage.
1: No one was renting no anything. Yeah, I know.
0: so see, I, I get why we're avoiding the two thousands because the two thousands is a very dark, dour decade. But, but the two thousands was also the height when they had nine thousand stores. That was two thousand four. Do you know what I mean? Like that. That yeah. was. That was. And maybe you combine the two
1: and you you do the bigger store, the bigger numbers, but you keep the because again, we had optimism in the nineties. We could still beat climate change. Politics right. still made sense. Jobs right.
0: were okay. Right? The so bottom then, had not yet fallen out the, the basket. That so, so you've got Randall Park, Timmy, and Eliza, who are like the late 30s, early 40s characters. Perfect. They really got that right. Every blockbuster, the management was the mid to late 30s, early 40s. That's what the people were. So they really feel correct. Then you've got Olga Meredes as Connie, older um, Spanish lady. Again, you always had the older person that really is completely out of touch with all of the other people in the store. She actually plays her role perfectly and is cute for it existing now because the joke kind of being she's actually the same age as most of our clientele is a pretty funny joke. And they have her come and help customers find movies because she speaks their language. So she'll say things. Do you have that one with the, this guy and the, that, and that guy that kind of looks like Matt Damon, but isn't. And there's funny bits where, cause That's she would have been, she would have been the right age to be the manager type in the two thousands. So right, it makes sense. Then you've got Tyler Alvarez and Madeline Arthur and Kamea Fairburn as the three young kids. The kids that are just about to leave high school, this is their first job, right? They're all pretty good. But again, they give them all kind of their own sub stories that are meant to connect with kids now. And when they're at their best is when they're dealing with stuff within the store. Like, Tyler is an aspiring Quentin Tarantino type. He wants to be a film student. You always had one of those at a blockbuster.
1: Yeah, I was going to... I, I, I kind of cringed internally before. Like, no, if there's movies to be rented, there's a film buff guy.
0: No, and you always did. And this kid is really well cast. He's also the the the, the bisexual-casted progressive character, because every show needs one of those. And um, his character... Is good because he's running around like making iPhone movies within the store and they get hits, which makes the store money. And then he also gets seen as like a local, you know, filmmaker type. It's a cute little thing, but again, it's all there just to connect with kids now. Ooh, well, you know what yeah. I mean? No,
1: this is very much reading as we got to hit the four quadrants. Yep, and it very much feels like another show wrapped in blockbuster paper but the edges are poking through in parts and you're like wait a second this isn't a blockbuster
0: this is the great value knockoff exactly and then you've got hannah who is probably one of the characters that is the most true to life she's a young girl that works for the store that everybody likes because she's really sweet and she knows nothing about movies and we always had one of those and so she's just weird. She's the weird geeky girl that just isn't geeky about movies. <laughs> and so hilarity ensues with her. Like, she's the one that rents the people, the human centipede, by accident instead of the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> you know, and that's a great joke. And, like, her look of just, I don't I don't know the difference, is really funny. Um, then there's Kamara Kim- Fayburn as Kayla, who... And damn wardrobe people, if you're listening, I know that you think that this is funny, but this would have never been allowed anywhere. And they show her wearing it before they're no longer a corporate store. But a cut off blockbuster shirt makes no goddamn sense. I'm yeah, sorry. Again,
1: that's that's four quadrant style. They,
0: they barely ever let us wear freaking cargo pants, let alone. <laughs> but 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 I digress. Then there's well, it's, if it's just not true to any store culture. Correct. And that is kind of the point. She's supposed to be the, like, I don't care, like, rebellious one of the group.
1: There's but, better ways to do it. Have That's the person bringing in the weird films, the r tier films. It's like, listen, nobody's going to rent these. And you partner that character with your film buff character.
0: Bingo. And then you've got J.B. Smoove, who can be very funny. Um, unfortunately, he's kind of grown inducing for most of this. As a pers- little of him goes a long way. Who's Percy? He's Timmy's best friend from high school, so they get into hijinks. Um, okay, so which one of them stay in the straight man? Um, Timmy. Timmy
1: is the straight man in the whole show. That's okay. That's it's cool. like I can kind of see how you would get those two because, like, that's definitely you need a strong straight man for that comedy pairing,
0: and it works. See, the the thing is, is and I'm gonna get into this. You know, uh, I'll. I'll state it now for people that don't want to listen through to the end because we'll get into spoilers, but I'm giving this show a four out of 10 as a blockbuster show. All Rick will admit that's very harsh for me and yes. I need mean it and I need mean it to be harsh. This is not a good show, but if you take all of these situations and make it about anything else other than blockbuster and I will say being completely biased because I lived this The show is like a six or a seven out of ten. So if this wasn't about blockbuster, I could see it being like, okay, this might be something you'd watch if you were bored. It has the makings of something that's cute. The biggest failure, and I'm describing all these people, Percy's Timmy's best friend. They've always worked at the strip mall together. Percy is, uh, you know, big fish in a small town. He runs the... Anchor store which is basically a party City of this strip mall and now he Is Timmy's landlord so the Hilarity and tension comes a lot from Them having to play friends or Friends that are business partners and Taking advantage of each other and Percy Having to collect rent and trying to evict him All of these things are real things that Would happen but most of the Time it's just there so they can like play pranks With local kids or Talk about how great high school was and It's all these stories and subplots That have nothing to do with blockbuster
1: yeah, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there Where you said this would be a fine show on its own Yeah, but it's not one you're watching without Blockbuster Blockbuster is the hook Blockbuster is the reason it got made Blockbuster is the reason anyone's bothering to watch it Because I'm telling you If this wasn't called Blockbuster We wouldn't be talking about it Because it would be just another generic sitcom
0: All of these episodes would have been B episodes On a season of Superstore Is is literally what it is um, I just wanted to set up those characters, because I'm going to go through episode by episode, because I I, want to tell you here, note how little these episode descriptions have to do with Blockbuster. First, the show described by the creators, Timmy Yoon is an analog dreamer living in a 5G world. I hate that so much. After he finds out that he is operating the very last Blockbuster video in America, which, again, I know all about Creative License, but I described to you how it actually happened, Blockbuster Corporate's been gone since 2015. The phone call Sandy Harding got, telling her she was the last Blockbuster in the world, came from a Blockbuster in Alaska, which was also a franchise store, Telling her they had to close. So now she was the last in the world. It wasn't like this show shows. With Blockbuster Corporate. Being actually shut down. And walked out the door in the background. With this guy going. Yeah you'll probably do fine. But we're gone. It, it it's, it's literally the first 30 seconds. Of the first episode. And it's uninspired and silly. And I get creative license. But they don't speed it up to get into anything worthwhile. It's a dumb way to do it. Like here's how I would have done it.
1: I would have done it with it opens on him he's running a very successful blockbuster and then you know the news is breaking blockbuster declares bankruptcy all corporate stores shut down and he goes oh well you know that that sucks but we you know we're still we still have some of these small independent ones and then you flash forward to where it is now yes and you show the last one standing and you show they're struggling you set it up from the beginning of like he has gone from we're going to make it top of the world to, oh, fuck, we are the last one and we are struggling.
0: So and, and you're right. And instead they lead this off with, oh, so it wasn't a struggle before until the last six closed. No, it's been a yeah. struggle since 2015. Are you kidding me? Like this has been a miserable place to be for five years. Or you know, up up to the point when this is supposedly supposed to happen.
1: But well, again, your character, it makes so much more sense. Like he has been fighting and he has this optimism because he's made it work up to this point. He has survived. Right. So now the play through the play of it is kind of he's having trouble maintaining that love and optimism when he has just watched one after the other die as he's watched the business shrink
0: as it's gotten harder to do. And you could have paralleled this you with with flashbacks didn't have to be the whole show, but seeing how it when he was younger and didn't know any better would be mm. a cool way to pull in the people that remember. Oh yeah, I, I remember myself being eighteen working there too. But instead, it's all. Also, I just mentioned all those people besides J.B. Smooth. All six of them work at the store. Let me tell you this. On our busiest Friday night in 2002, we didn't have six people on, number one. Number two, six people cannot cover an entire shift of openness during a day. I don't care if this place opens at noon and closes at 10 p.m. That's still too long of a shift, and yet they show all six of them working all the time. But then because they don't do
1: extras on TV
0: anymore. Right. That's okay. But you could have jokes of people coming in and out of shifts, which they do, but they don't make any sense because there's no rhyme or reason about when the shifts end or stop. It's all yeah,
1: but any show like superstore had that same problem. It's like you're all working these same shifts all the time and you don't really have any extras to kind of fill out the background. No, that's a modern TV thing
0: that kind of bugs me, but Well, okay. so continue with the generic statements. Timmy and his staff of employees, including his longtime crush, Eliza, fight to stay relevant. Oh, the only way to succeed is to remind their community that they provide something that big corporations can't human connection. Now, that last statement should be the heart of the entire fucking show. Because that's really, that, that's where the bread and butter is. That last statement, the only way to succeed is to remind their community they provide something that big corporations can't, human connection. They do it three or four times where it actually resonates. And I'll talk about those episodes where it does. But most of the time, it it's like an afterthought, if anything at all.
1: Yeah, that should be the show's running theme is playing off your nostalgia and it's kind of I do. it's a parallel between they are struggling to make it work because, of course, you would be. But their love and passion and dedication keeps them going and keeps them driving. That that should be your basic hook,
0: your warm, fuzzy, you know, right, your through right. line. There's the word. Exactly. Now, first episode pilot. There's 10 episodes. I'm basing my ratings and I normally don't rate stuff. Um, I'm, I'm normally going to, you listen to what I say and you'll get a feel. But as you say, I'm a serial optimist. So I want to make sure people really know that I'm rating this not as how good of a sitcom it is only. I'm rating it at how good of a sitcom it is, which is part one. And I said, because of that, none of these episodes are going to make it better than a C. They're not going to make it better than a six or a seven. But Relevance to Blockbuster and it actually feeling right, like situations that would make sense at a Blockbuster, whether it was in the 90s or whether it was today, is how I've rated these shows. Because quite frankly, the lack of anything that resonates with me is the part that's pissing me off the most, is that they have a huge community. I'm in seven Facebook groups with 500 plus people in each of them. They could have talked to any of these people. And everyone would tell them the same thing. They would all tell them what makes it feel relevant and what doesn't. A lot of it they got right. The store feels like a blockbuster. Doesn't really look like one. And I'll get into that. There's really obnoxious things that piss me off about the layout. Maybe there were ones in Michigan that looked like this. I sincerely doubt that. I've seen most blockbusters. Most of them look about the same. But this pilot episode, what really annoyed me here is everybody just seems robotic in this episode. And the description is, at the last blockbuster in existence, manager Timmy rallies the staff into throwing a block party to boost memberships and connect with the community. One, something that the last blockbuster in the world actually did and i get where this bad taste in your mouth comes from we don't want to make it about the actual real last store but we're going to do an actual thing they did and continue to do they think they have, i think they have a yearly block party there with the exact reason of come here sign up for measurements drink the beer the local brewery made about our store come see us we're a community place we're here to make sure that this community we we sell things made by local people this show doesn't do any of that it just has a generic well we work next to a party store so it'll be a funny thing where timmy and percy used to throw big parties and it's gonna go bad just like it always did and then it does that's literally the episode yeah so this episode gets a great big three out of ten for me it introduces the characters I don't like any of the characters in this episode They're all robotic, they're all generic Timmy has a really good speech Again, about the human connection At the end of the episode But to get there, it's uninspired And a waste of time I literally... Uh, again, think... here's, here's my, my,
1: my bullet pitch Yeah. You open with the big Booming blockbuster The store's full The store's bright, he's young, he's happy It's bright colors, you up the brightness he gets the news that you know blockbuster corporate's going under but the independent store is going to keep going he's like we're going to make it and then you cut to now you darken the tones you darken the brightness and this first episode is about him trying to figure out if it's worth keep going yeah, keep doing and exactly. you tie it and you keep it with this big community thing but you have the store convince him no we have to keep doing this for the community Let's do the block party. Let's remind people why we keep doing this but, and kind of remind him why he loves blockbuster.
0: But, but that is the, your opening. Here's the thing though, right? Superstore, these other shows, clerks, even right. A thing that like tonally, I really wish they had leaned into those movies. And I know that that's, again, that's the movie that made me want to work at a video store. Okay. But the, The good and bad of that is shown in full display. This spends a quarter of its first episode in the blockbuster. One quarter, 25%. The rest of the episode is in a local bar and the party store. Your first episode, your pilot, the thing that's going to make people want to watch this is the most generic non-blockbuster related thing you can possibly come up with it's a setup for all the characters sure but like you said lead with the perpetual motion rube goldberg machine of maybe have the show start with somebody saying hey in 1999 blockbuster was the biggest video store on the planet like have like a read that lets people kind of know what the hell they're getting themselves into instead of just hey, generic guy works at generic place. It could be a liquor store, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know? So then we get to episode two, which also gets a three out of ten for me because it makes the exact same mistakes as the first episode. But it also does something in the title that made me cringe immediately. The episode is called Blockbuster Daddy. Why does this make me cringe? Because Sandy Harding, who, again, this show isn't about at all, Calls herself Blockbuster Mom. It just seems like a punch in the
1: stomach. It feels like they're aware of what they're doing. And if they had reached out or consulted or talked, it would feel like a nice homage. Right. Right. And again, from what you've told me, it sounds like there's a fight in the writer's room of a couple people really are good writers and know about and have a passion oh, for oh don't worry
0: every everything i've sent you i'm gonna read through because there's some gold in there There we really... go. Oh,
1: I, I shared a couple of slagathorn and she laughed and then i read her a couple of the Groders and she's just oh, like they're, that's the same when, show
0: when it's funny it's funny as hell and again i've watched through it twice to do this and the second time through i actually enjoyed it a lot more because i knew what i was getting myself into but it's just Again, I'm, I'm telling you, the first two episodes, the leadoff episodes, the things that are supposed to pull you in are threes out of ten. Yeah. That's not good. The The tagline of this episode, or the, the runner, is Timmy needs to make some hard choices to keep the store afloat. He basically realizes he needs to fire somebody to stay open. Eliza worries she's not being a good mom after hearing her daughter's new rock album, which is actually kind of funny. So Eliza's whole through line, this woman that Timmy is... Basically, sitcom in love with right like always is her husband cheated on her, and she is getting back together with him to basically save her kid. But she's doing yeah, it, and but she's doing it and saying it's because Timmy has inspired her after what he's done with the store. So then he feels like it's his fault, and so ha 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 hilarity ensues. But anyway, she can't she can't um uh connect with her daughter, and so she's. Got Spotify on at the store now that they're the last in the world so they can play whatever they want, which is cool. That's definitely something someone read. Anytime corporate wasn't around, we'd play whatever we wanted. That That's a real thing. But she's listening to it, and the young girl Kayla is like, are you, are you actually listening to the lyrics? Your daughter hates you. Like, these are about you. And it's actually kind of good writing. But again, the episode, even less time happens in the blockbuster in this episode. Yeah, it's, no, you've already ignored your main plot of he's how yeah, is he going to save the store? It's almost it's mostly Timmy at the bar complaining that he has to fire someone and then hanging out with Percy in his store because he can't do it at his store with a whiteboard trying to decide who to fire and it it all comes up to Percy's daughter just quitting and then his daughter he goes listen I I had you hire my daughter Just so I could be with her, around her more Because Percy is in a broken up marriage too And so I will pay you her salary if you keep her on So it's like alright fine yeah. So they're creating tension and they're creating this whatever So episode 2 ends with a completely unspoken thing Where all of the car alarms are going off outside And they walk out and go oh no they're back And that's supposed to be the bum 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 Which brings me to episode 3 Evan and Trevin Could be funny Gets a 5 out of 10 out of me Because and the only reason Because is Annoying local kids playing pranks On us was a blockbuster thing This is a Halloween episode Um Basically, Percy, Timmy, and Eliza are trying to decide whether or not it's professional to try to continue on with their normal war against these two kids that are children of the lady that owns the tackle shop across the street called Hot Piece of Bass, which is kind of a funny name for a store. I'll give them that. These two kids don't have speaking lines, they're literally just there to create chaos. They put bees in a pinata in the party store, but the M80. Glitter bomb in the drop box Is hilarious And basically happened at every blockbuster I've ever known of So I give them a 5 out of 10 for that
1: Yeah that, that fits the blockbuster I don't know my immediate thought is This is the episode Where the pitch to save the store this week Is we're going to do a horror film festival And they didn't Yeah no I mean this again Every episode should really Be about how is he going to Save the store
0: this yes. week Yes. And and they just, they miss those opportunities. And then another funny thing that would be great in another sitcom, Connie decides to put an ofrenda out because it's Halloween time, Dia de los Muertos, right? Cool. We're trying to share culture. This is great. And she's sharing it with the young weird girl who doesn't know anything about anything. So she's trying to explain to her how, you know, it's about like honoring the dead. And she goes, oh, so like zombies? No, not like zombies. Okay, it's so, like ghosts. No, like goes, okay, it's so, like Santa Claus. And it's a funny little back and forth. But again, it has nothing to do with Blockbuster. But No, and that's where you put
1: in that human centipede hungry little caterpillar joke is that gets mixed in your horror film fest either one way or the other.
0: But they didn't do it till a later episode. Yeah, no. So, See, I'm telling and- you. So instead, Connie and Kayla, who spend all of their time at the store in the back room, which I'll get to in my comments later, but the back room that is larger than the store itself with two refrigerators and two microwaves and a sitting area for the employees like it's an office building with a bubbler. And snack vending machines And then a back stairs up to the Manager's office which has A glass window overlooking the Store with blinds so they can Do the office type joke of Wow they're really laying into each Other back there when they're really just having like A heated funny conversation about something else Ha 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 would never happen At a store like this yeah
1: but I'm not gonna Critique that because
0: again that's something You know only if You've worked in the retail but, which... but That room has things you don't want the the customers to see in it, and it annoys me. But anyway, so also the 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 TV show trope: everyone spends all their time at the store. So Connie and Kayla spend most of their day in the back room watching Dateline and shows like that. So they, after seeing the photo of the young girl's mother, believe that she is a victim of a serial killer that was never solved in their local town. So they spend the whole episode like. Charlie Day chasing down whether or not... It doesn't go anywhere, basically. And it's stupid and it's it's just... Now, episode four. An episode that actually starts to have a little bit of a spark of, okay, this is something. Timmy gets nominated for a local small business award in the town called the Itsy Busy. Silly name, but he gets nominated for an award. So he... Really doubles down on trying to be A super professional small business owner And it creates tension You know he comes in like trying to crack Down on the employees and you know Doing all of this other stuff and it's Actually a fun blockbuster Focused episode I give it a 6 out of 10 because The comedy works the sitcom stuff Works and it's actually about the store And there's not much really to say about it Other than that it feels genuine like An episode that would have got pitched For this show all right. Episode five, the King of Queens. This episode gets a three out of ten because every episode gets their Tinder joke episode.
1: Which makes no oh. sense
0: to me. It's it's pointless. It's basically more tension between Eliza and Timmy, and they're trying to get him to start dating to get over Eliza because she's back with her husband. And they create a Tinder profile, and he ends up on a date with three women at once, and ha, ha, ha it sucks. Moving that doesn't on. make any goddamn sense.
1: And I'm sorry, and we've stated it multiple times on our podcast, I loathe the will they, won't they. Yes. No, and the fact that we're still seeing it today. Oh, it's this whole God show. fucking it's, damn it. It's the whole show. Now. No, that's how you know the writers do not have faith in the show. Or yes. someone somewhere does not have faith in the show. When they make the will, they, won't they, the central hook?
0: Yes. Now, here we are. Episode six. Parental control gets the highest rating from me of any episode of the show with a seven out of ten. The reason being, it is full on a perfect, this is exactly what would happen at a blockbuster episode. Why? Well, they go around the store and they're all complaining about... Oh, you know, um, we can't find this movie. Oh, I found a movie that came back in the Dropbox where someone returned a piece of deli meat instead of the DVD. Oh, you know, how come Saw Three is in Lilo and Stitch and they decide to do inventory. Inventory is the most central and real thing that ever happens in a blockbuster. It sucks, it's terrible, and it makes for great situations. And they really leaned into it and had a lot of fun in this episode. Um, Please tell also, me something episode It really is Also they have Good. Timmy Dealing with his overbearing parents Because he's Korean They're yeah. always calling to help, have him help them Argue out their bullshit And it makes for him always having to leave the inventory Which creates tension with the store Of you know we can't do this without Timmy So we have to get someone who's less qualified to help Like the older Spanish lady who never works past 7 p.m. But they have her on for inventory. So they hop her up on five-hour energies. And then she turns into a crazy, like, shit-talking monster running around grabbing the movies and, like, shitting on actors in them and throwing really good stuff. Like, and it's it's all just revolving around real things that would happen during an inventory. My only real big comment on any of this is that we never did inventory when the store was open you can't but they do with this episode yeah no anyone that's
1: ever done inventory to store knows you don't do it and your customers are there because they're gonna fuck up your count
0: correct but it does make for some good situations with some customers and for netflix relevancy there is a show that eliza is trying to get home the whole time called trout royale that's squid game and um Aside from that groaner of a Netflix nod, it makes for a lot of good argument about whether you watch things subtitled or or um, dubbed. There's a lot of good, this conversation would happen at a blockbuster type stuff, and I loved it. It, it really genuinely is a good episode of TV. Not great, but good.
1: Okay, um, so here's where I'm introducing my new subplot for the show. Yes, of course. So we do this as a bottle episode, but he's not getting called away to deal with his... Parents, because
0: yeah, that's its own weird thing. Well, that's he's where the Lilo away. with Saw three joke comes in, and I loved it. <laughs> I brought you Lilo and oh, Saw three. Oh, okay, gotta work with what I got.
1: He's getting called away because there's an offer to buy the store. Oh, there you go. That becomes the new central runner. Is again, and it ties into him struggling to keep the passion going for this store. It takes out the weird relationship with his friend Breen, the landlord. Yeah. And it creates genuine tension of, is he going to sell this store? Because, again, it even works with The Will They Won't They. Like, well, he can't be with this girl he obviously is attracted to. He's struggling to keep this store going. He's really kind of burned out on the whole thing. There's an out for him. And he has to keep it secret from everybody because they know, you know, without him, the store doesn't exist.
0: Exactly. And, and again, they, we're tying it
1: back to the center, the
0: heart of this, they, which is never, his love and passion. They never get there. They do do an episode where Eliza eventually tries to move on and work somewhere else. With, that's because dumb. her No. Well, because her whole thing is she went to Harvard and had to drop out because she got pregnant. Like, that's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, I hate
1: that. No, the, fuck that But it's story cliche. Line is dumb. It's, it's cliche, cliche. It's played to death. And again, this one really needs to be about him struggling to keep the store going and coming up with new ideas. And the bottom episode here is where you get to know your characters and explore their interactions and have fun conversations and really get down to drill to the bedrock of it all. And if you want to be cliche, you do the episode of him looking out from the back room to see them all laughing and having a good time and remembering and flashing back to when Bingo. Blockbuster was good.
0: Bingo. All right, the, the next episode takes a drop a little bit only because it's it's not Blockbuster-focused, but there's nothing wrong with it. It just... Um, uh, a thoughtless gesture leads Timmy to, to reevaluate his close friendship with Percy, Eliza, Hannah, and Kayla help a grieving Connie find a new friend. So it's standard sitcom stuff. A lot of it takes place in Blockbuster, but doesn't have a lot to do with Blockbuster. It's basically a throwaway episode, but there's nothing offensive. It's just filler. Um, but I like what they do with Connie. They, they introduce, you know, you're going to have the older person that works in your store, so they're going to be into weird stuff. So like she introduces this telenova that she watches and she's trying to explain it to everyone to get them like interested and they just can't parse it. And it's, it's funny because this is the kind of conversation you'd have blockbuster brought together different types of geeks. And I'll even throw a, an old woman into a, a Telenova or into a thing. That's geeky. Whether You, you get a guy in who's into football. That's geeky in its own way, right? And trying to see them connect is really interesting. But it doesn't really go anywhere. The Intimate Angels, she's into her funny. There's this really funny bit. They're supposed to be precious moments where um, one of the characters can't focus because she's holding this thing in her face. And it's two toddler toddler-aged children with a newborn baby is what the little carving oh god she goes i'm sorry i just i I can't take any of what you're saying serious she goes why she goes well i have so many questions about this this thing you're holding she goes what do you mean she goes well were the toddlers old enough to have a baby and if so then did they have sex and if so then does the toddler girl have a period or is it a benjamin button situation because it's not right then either and it's very funny and very well delivered but again aside from the benjamin button joke not really movie related So the episode gets a five out of 10 now.
1: Okay. Here's my fix for that one.
0: Yes. It's time to order
1: in new movies for the store. Yes. They can only really afford a handful. So everyone's got to make their pitch to him of this is the new thing we need to bring into the store. And then you can get, you know, well, this is how you target this demographic. This is how you target this demographic. And again, we get character explorations like, oh, this character is into something we wouldn't have expected this character to be into. And again, you have these all these fun conversations get to stay, but it ties back to the store instead of just whatever weird randomness that
0: was. Yes, exactly. Now. Here's an episode that I still give a seven out of 10, even though it doesn't have much to do directly with Blockbuster. But it has to do with something that would be a central thing that an older generation of people working with a younger generation and people, remember, people working at a Blockbuster or any retail place, it's never like this was my number one choice of what I was going to do with my life. There's always, you've been through some shit, right? So, this episode is called Special Guy Day, and I really like it because it spoke to me on a very personal level. Eliza has a spiral after an unexpected customer interaction. That spiral is she runs into the woman that her husband cheated on her with. Not important, tropey, sitcomy stuff, but. Timmy switches into action and does the friend thing. And I could see myself doing this to cheer her up by showing her a day that his mother used to do for him because her and her dad, her and his dad never really interacted and spoke. So Timmy has like, you know, this baggage of I basically was the stand in husband for my mom. And it it the drama of it really resonates. And he goes, it's called special guy day. And I'm going to take you around this strip mall because it's all we got. And we're going to have a day of nostalgia. And there's Blockbuster-related nostalgia. There's, like, the local Chuck E. Cheese-type place-related nostalgia. There's a funny gag where the photo booth in one of the places um, is so cheap that it can't afford to have photos from around the world. So it's just pictures of the alleys behind the strip mall. <laughs> All of this stuff, it's great, and it really leans into not necessarily it being about Blockbuster, but it fits. You know what I mean? The If you're going to do yep. a show about blockbuster, you got to work the strip mall into it. And they did a great job of it in this episode. And it yeah, did, that sounds it feels,
1: like a solid
0: pitch. It, it really did. It was a great episode. And I don't have much to say for it other than the baggage of the uninspired writing is still there. You know, it, it yeah. feels like it, it's a sub, it's a B plot for another show. But everyone really leaned into it on this one they also did a great parallel with Connie and Carlos working with Hannah cramming for a test because her dad's a drunk and threw out her college application so she has to take a placement exam to get in or she won't be able to go to college and again, a really dark thing kind of parallels Mm -hmm. Timmy's stuff but she basically determines that she can't do well because she was homeschooled and so if there's not people arguing And noise and stuff going on in the background So they like make up a thing In the break room to make it sound like her home life And she passes the exam Again Sitcom-y, trope kind of touchy-feely stuff But it worked This is a okay. decent episode
1: So here's my fix for that We keep most of that But we sprinkle in flashbacks Of the mall in its heyday Yes So we can get some fun 90s callbacks We do some Beanie Babies We do some oh comic thriving comic book shops we do some stuff like that and then how of course like a
0: local diner you Yeah, know what I mean? we do some fun like stuff to
1: kind of you know remind them of like hey you remember all this stuff from the 90s and how great it was and then the store is since their two most senior staff members are out they are dealing with customers and we keep the plot about the one girl you know struggling to To study and they've got her in the back Room to give her time but it's not working So she comes out on the floor to study because Again they're desperately trying And I don't know maybe we have A big reason for everyone to be in the store That
0: day yeah exactly
1: But again That's how I'd judge that
0: one Up the the next episode I'd give a higher score But it doesn't focus on the thing that's interesting Um there's three Subplots in this movie and only one of them Is good um, the episode is called Thimble. Um, and a subplot that just goes nowhere and doesn't work at all is Kayla, Percy's daughter, looking to get into a an department and realizing that she's being scammed. It's stupid, it goes nowhere, there's no humor, and it means nothing. Um, Eliza going for a job interview, fine, it creates tension with her and Timmy, not interesting, goes nowhere. But the subplot I really liked, which if they just leaned into the whole episode on it was Connie and the other employees Have to put together a standee And Putting together standees When you got the one that wasn't just the Simple like here's you know Han Solo standing up to promote Star Wars when it was complicated And, and had, it was like, the 3D Layered ones yes So this one was for a made up movie Called like Thimble in Something Land and it was like a made up Kids movie that was really dirty Seeming which made it even funnier stick your thumb in me and yeah it just but it they're trying to put it together but can't figure it out and Connie has some backstory where she really really likes doing puzzles so she won't let anyone else help her and this kind of thing really really happened like someone would get really intense about putting these together and it would just go to shit and she's being hovered by a customer that calls himself what did he call himself? A thimble sexual or something? Oh no! They they go around to stores that are putting up these standees, and they have to be the first person to pierce them. And it's wicked creepy, but it works because you'd get these fucking weirdos. The problem is, is that they don't focus on that nearly enough. They focus on the other well, subplots.
1: That's a good runner. I don't know what you make the a plot of this one. Yeah, there's just no. Maybe we at- come back to him getting pressured to sell the store. I don't know. Uh yeah, he's getting pressure to, maybe this is just like you know this stuff because we're getting near the end of the season and this is when stuff's really starting to pile up with the store. Yes, like maybe the lights kind to of go out on the sign, so it's down to just Auk buster Yeah, <laughs> or
0: or someone changes the sign to cockbuster. We always joked about that,
1: yeah. But like it's really kind of Like, the whole episode is, you know, okay, so we've got the B-plot of his friend is doing the job interview. We've got the C-plot of this standee. And the A-plot is him really just looking around and seeing all the problems with the store. And we look back at, like, all of his big ideas he's had to, you know, kind of keep it. like, And it's just barely keeping them above water. And then, I don't know. See, in my mind, the season finale or the final episode is... They get Kevin Smith in the store, yes. As a big, you know, this will draw people in. So maybe well, we set it up here.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that. Um, they do have a setup like that for episode ten. It's not Kevin Smith, but um, it it episode ten is probably the best episode of the show. I still like the inventory episode better because it's more directly blockbuster related. But episode 10 really works in it being the last blockbuster now. It's really the only episode that really gets all of that correctly. And let me explain. So throughout the whole season, there's been news broadcasts where you hear every once in a while, they'll mention this solar storm that's coming. that's going to knock out the internet. And so, you know, this is going to be something that's going to hit the fan at some point in the show. Episode 10 is called Shitstorm. And. I knew just seeing that title that if they were when I was reading through them, I was like, all right, if anything, this episode's going to have something interesting in it. So the setup for this is that it's about to be Christmas time. And they're trying. They've realized after all that, you know, all these things they've done to try to save the store, because that's really what the store shows been focused on. Not. But they decide that all these things they've tried to save the store, what they really need to do is do something to drum up business, to get people in the store, a way to make money. Outside of just renting the movies and stuff So they decide to do an event And what they do is they find Some washed up has been celebrity to Kevin, I'm telling to- you Kevin Smith is right there Correct But, what, but you see what's funnier is they, they find a kid that basically Was in a whole a, a Fake whole bunch of um Like shitty Christmas movies in the 90's Who's now like a drunken middle aged guy Who has horrifying stage fright Because after those shows went to shit he basically spent a bunch of time on, like, shitty celebrity game shows where he got angry and, like, beat up on celebrities. And so, like, he's really uncomfortable being there and he's drunk. So you got kind of like a bad Santa thing going on and it works really well. It's yeah, also, but it's like, also extremely cliched.
1: I mean, it it's set up but, right here. The store's kind of falling apart. All the things they've kind of set up to do aren't working. Kevin Smith's their Hail Mary. Plus, Kevin, Kevin Smith, Smith would
0: have been awesome.
1: Plus all the jokes you could write, like every generation having a different idea of who Kevin Smith is. True, true. Um, and like but, your one older lady is like, oh, he's the one who did uh, Jersey Girl. Oh, exactly. Terrible. You make a Jersey Girl joke. You make a, oh, he writes on The Flash. I love The Flash for the younger crowd joke. You do a clerk's joke. He can give the inspiring speech. Of course Our main character about listen you want to talk about Feeling down and out in your
0: career let's talk About mine No you're and and the thing is he was in the Documentary so it would have been a cool like Tie in right I think you do it He loved and he's again he's that right level Of middle kind of Celebrity he, he would get a, he'd get a <laughs> kick out of it. But for, for cliched as it is, the stuff works, the interaction with this guy and the employees works, the, the people that it brings in seeing the store full of customers and people, you know, like coming and renting movies works. And then that all goes to shit. Cause he gets drunk and gets into a fist fight with Percy because Percy actually is a fan of his, but because of all the celebrity shows he was on, he's like, that was a dark time in my life. I don't want to talk about it. Percy keeps pushing him. So he pushes him through a set of new release movies to which everyone goes apeshit in the store and like starts taking everything and it goes to crap, you know, you know, fighting the store. So then they cut to the guy sitting there across the street having his, you know, oh crap, this wasn't a good idea. I suck at this. You know, I'm, I'm all done, which it doesn't earn, but this is the point in the show where he does that to which then he calls his current girl. He's dating. Eliza's name instead And then dumb, at the same dumb. time Eliza's husband was planning on re-proposing to her in the store And that goes to shit And so the two of them have now announced Separately that they're into the other one But they don't actually get to say it Yada yep. yada 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 ah, but, actually- then, but Then the show picks up again Because the solar storm hits And the store gets a run for people looking for video games and DVDs for their kids. And it gets into bidding wars and fights between parents in the store looking for the last copy of so-and-so and this. And that is pitch perfect to shit that would happen when it would snow outside, when anything would happen. But again, it's just kind of doing Y2K again. But it works in the show they set up. But then the show just pitters off in the the will they won't they and find out next season, and that's how yeah, the show. Yeah,
1: no. So here, here I'm, I'm keeping the like, so he does the Kevin Smith thing, but no one shows up. <laughs> yeah, like because Kevin Smith only matters to these people in the store, but to everyone else, especially in this small town, like who the fuck is Kevin Smith? I blame yoga hosers. Yes, and that's when he's ready to sell the store. Like, Kevin Smith gives him this big inspirational speech. And he's like, that's nice, but look around. There's nobody in the store. It's empty. I don't need anybody. I got my podcasts. And yeah, you can even make a podcast joke. Like, you can say the things, but you have so many podcasts. You're going to be fine. And then, you know, he goes outside and he's all kind of, and then we have the solar storm. And then everyone comes flooding into the store and we get all this crazy insanity. And the show ends on this flashback to when the store was at its peak. And you know, him going, Yeah, we're gonna make it. And that's where you end. You yeah. end on that uplifting, heartfelt note of Yeah, it's hard, but and you maybe yeah, something and maybe yeah, you end with like this whole thing, thank you for being here. You saved us. You, you right. saved my day.
0: And here's and here's the deal, right? This is this is the biggest slap in the face of the whole thing. The show doesn't end wanting you to know anything more about what's happening to this store. It ends just with the will they won't be of these two characters that, yeah, that can be a plot in your show, but the show should be like blockbusters on a precipice of something. Yes. And instead it's a, okay, so it's going to survive now because they don't have internet in Michigan. Eh, You know? No, this is exactly,
1: this is exactly what I mean of this is a show that has blockbuster wrapping paper on it. But all the jagged edges are point poking out and you just like, if I squint, I believe you're a blockbuster show. But I mean, the fact that I just kind
0: of slow pitched a better show, you slow pitched like four better shows. So, so he, here's the thing going into this, you know, I, like I've said before, I am, I am attempting, I attempt to be optimistic about things in movies and before, you know, Anyone gets into, well, people worked on this. Yes, I'm the guy that always says that. Think of the editor. Think of the the people, the the workhorses, the, the people that are running around. Cool, yes. They all tried to do their homework. They pulled together very quickly and very cheaply a show that kind of resembles being in a blockbuster video. I don't want to crap on any of those people. But I want to crap on Netflix. And I want to crap on the people that greenlit this thing because you got a lot of people like me. You got a lot of people that, Care about this When I said I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this Especially after seeing the first trailer for it When something that meant And anyone that listens to my show The heartfelt meant something to me Not Blockbuster Not the corporate fucking entity of Blockbuster But the The camaraderie, the people The being there, the job The memories, that part of my life The woman I am married to I met when I worked at this fucking store That shit means something to me to have them reduce that to generic situational comedy for funsies didn't sit right with me when I first saw the trailer, and it really doesn't fucking sit right with me now. And yeah, that's just me, right? That's, that's why I watched it twice. I don't want to have it be, oh, they didn't make it about me. But you know what? They didn't make it about anybody.
1: This isn't about
0: any real blockbuster that ever is or ever will exist. This is generic and stupid. And for that, it gets a a 4 out of 10. And I'm sorry, you know, people maybe put hard work into this. But even Randall Park, who is one of the most charming human beings on the planet, goes through three episodes seeming like he could give two shits that he's there. And that's not okay. No, it really does sound like there was one or two
1: writers that had a really clear identity and love for what they were doing but ultimately it is wrapped around a previous existing project that is trying to market itself off the blockbuster name and there's no heart to it because how many of those plots that you described actually tie have anything to do with the store or if you took the store out would still i'd say it would affect the plot
0: a quarter of this show has to do with the store And, I mean, that that's the problem.
1: This show is not interested in being about this store's struggles or why people would still – why this
0: store would still exist or any of that. Yeah. Now, I'll say a couple of things. I love the idea of the show you pitched, Ulrich. And if by some miracle – which, again, I would never wish anything bad on anyone making a show – but I don't think this is going to stick around any longer than us having this discussion about it. But if for some reason they decided they wanted to put another nail in this proverbial coffin and you had to make a second season of this show, you literally just make a stranger things season where it takes place in the nineties. And it's these two people when they were in junior high school working in this store. And that's what you do. Cause that's the interesting fucking show. Now, if you're going to just scorch earth it, and do it again. You do the show Ulrich pitched, or even better, you just do a fricking Wahlburgers reality show in the actual last store. Like seriously, I'd watch that. That's basically what my podcast. I wouldn't
1: is. because I would feel bad for them for the all the artificial drama they'd have to pump into the
0: store. Y- yeah, but at least then it would be about them. You know? Yeah, I'll take no. that over this. I'll the take that over- choice
1: was always to do it you know a period setting yeah but again like i said we are just consumed and i know it's the the age group that's in power right now but we are consumed by 80s nostalgia because if we're telling stories we're telling stories about kids in the 80s or high or teenagers in the 80s and if we're doing the 90s well it's 99 and it's people in their 20s because again gen x right now is holding us in the headlock And it's like, the 90s only exist at
0: the very end when I was in my 20s. You know what I liked? Did you watch any of the new Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Did you watch season two, the one with the lighthouse?
1: No, I never made it season two. So it's season season two,
0: without blowing anything else that goes along. It it exists in two time periods. And... Hmm the time period they're going back to they they're like they're reading old black and white photographs from school yearbooks and everything like in something you and I would have seen in the 90s would have been about the 60s or the 70s right yeah <laughs> and it's about something that happened in 1994 i don't know how i, <laughs> I, I don't
1: know it. how i feel about that i love I mean, it ultimately we'll see how that's 90s show works out it's going to suck it's going to suck because
0: well, Even again, that after, 70s show wasn't as good as we remember it being. It's, it's good when it's
1: good, and then it gets very bad very quick. I don't know. After seeing the Hocus Pocus sequel, I am so bitter on nostalgia reboots. Oh,
0: come on. Hocus Pocus wasn't a good movie either. Don't, no, don't act, it wasn't, but it don't really act like the sequel fun. is anything different. It's just more. No, of No, the...
1: no, the sequel is not anything more. The sequel is crafted by committee after decades of heap praise being heaped on that first one, which was bad but didn't know it was bad, and it was just fun because of it.
0: I, I will say the um, that's a different podcast for a different day. But living right near that, the. The sequel had a lot more oddly inspired things in it that felt more legitimately Salem than the first movie. So... Which is fine, but that second one is so crafted by committee. Oh no, it's 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 generic again. But but back to blockbuster because we could go on a rant about that. <laughs> I, they're both just movies, but where this came from, you know. Now that you've heard my thoughts on it, you know it's not good. If you're going to watch it, watch those three episodes that I gave 7 out of 10s on. Don't watch the rest of it. It's a waste of time. I watched it twice. It made me very angry, but also very nostalgic for what I lived through. But I did watch this twice, and I was sending Ulrich some stream of consciousness texts. And I want to go through a little of that because there's some gold in there. Um, so my first note, two episodes in, I don't think I like the blockbuster show. I don't think I've ever had that much of a negative opinion about something that early on. I usually go, ah, it'll it'll figure itself out. No, I was pretty much sure I didn't like it then. Um, it needs to be more like the tone of Clerks 3, and I really mean that. Like, that tonally is probably the closest thing to what I would do if I made this show. But instead, it's more like The Office or Friends and a more generic version of both, and neither of those are very good shows. Um. It has some genuine parts that are funny, and some of its message feels heartfelt. But over, but so overall, and so far, it's just unoriginal, and the store doesn't feel like a blockbuster. And that's the most important part: is even when they're there, it feels like someone's memory of it, not as a renter, not as someone that worked there. The logistics of working there doesn't make sense. A great line from an early episode: "Oh, he got someone to rent Garden State after 2004. He's a genius." That's a really good line. There's yeah. a tasteless COVID joke about somebody arguing about, um, they they decided that they really, really needed to go see a show with their friends. So they were gonna allow the government to spy on them and that's why they took the jab. And you know, I didn't Jesus, say why you bad. took the jab, I said why you took something else and it's just a bad joke. There's a tasteless joke about participation trophies that I don't even remember it was so bad. Um, There is another thing that is just like something that happened with Sandy Harding in the last store of bringing in random movie memorabilia into the store to get people to show up. The only thing he's able to get is a Hannibal plate, the plate from Hannibal where Hannibal served Ray Liotta his brains. It's a pretty funny gag, and it goes into them arguing over the logistics of whether or not that would be possible, which is an actual conversation I had at Blockbuster with a customer. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, in the episode with the pranks The kids change all of their employee of the month Photos to all And Kind of like all those Buscemi staring Back at me it makes me feel I'm in some Sort of unproduced Charlie Kaufman Film which is a great <laughs> It's one of the best lines in the show um, But again there's funny lines But they're just not very many of them That are about Blockbuster they spend more Time in the party store next door in the first Three episodes than they do at Blockbuster which is a bad sign the break room manager's office i mentioned this earlier is not right and it's the blinders on the windows into the store that really annoys the crap out of me and you gave an excuse to that i'm not letting that excuse fly there's no point for it there's no point just yeah it's dumb.
1: i mean like when this first came out and i was first seeing it like they they totally whiffed on the concept because i said like just comb through chris's you know the talkbuster and the stories you could mine and the characters you could take from this would be perfect i mean what was your guy the the king of china emperor of china
0: yeah the, the um the mayor of china
1: mayor of china yeah that a mayor character
0: that would have been hilarious and memorable i loved that guy i wonder if he's still alive um <laughs> in, in the episode where he's getting the itsy busy, Um he's running around the store Acting like he knows all about film now So he's going to Eliza and the other girl there Um the DP Uh really really um Got like the the skin tones On me perfect in these shots Just so you know DP that's director of photography And the girl says to him There is no worse sound in the world than a man Describing film terms (laughs) That's a great line Um The fact that there's only six people Working in the store at one time is annoying um, all of a sudden in episode 5 It gets really sexual And they start dropping F-bombs Like they all of a sudden decided this wasn't a family show anymore It's just out of nowhere um, the, the humor is very like Fuller house level for a while Like you know that kind of like, wing, yeah. like And then in episode 5 It just goes in a different direction I don't know why um, But it this, just does I, I'm,
1: fa- I'm fascinated by what was going on Behind the scenes Cause this is really like a weird chimeric combination of shows. And again, I keep going back to my theory, which I believe is true. This is a pitch that sat on a shelf forever. Netflix saw a blockbuster documentary did big and they're like, okay, how yep. can we retool this to be blockbuster? Yep. Because so much of the blockbuster stuff feels like rewrites that came in later.
0: Yes. hundred percent. Um, a funny thing they they're at the bar which i think is called the um the ripped donkey um where they spend a lot of time in the show
1: okay let's be honest that that's not a bar name correct um this is but, america we don't have terribly named
0: bars exactly but they they're over there um during special guy day trying to cheer each other up and they're playing with a claw machine and it's actually kind of cute but then even though this is it's, doesn't make any sense it caught me off guard and i had to laugh And it comes up later, but they lift up the duck. Oh, cool. You want a duck? And then they both go, does that duck have a human dick? And then they cut to the other person. I'm afraid so. Let's, let's never come here again. And it's (laughs) random. Doesn't make any sense, but it made me laugh. I mean, that's a funny joke, but it makes it.
1: What the fuck? No, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. It doesn't make
0: any sense. Yeah. Like
1: if you think about it for 30 seconds, it's like. That is only amusing because of the weird right turn you just took. Correct. It's a non
0: sequitur, so it's funny. The more
1: you think about it,
0: the less sense it makes. And um, it's a family guy joke. Exactly. The uh, Speaking of family guy jokes, um, in the episode where they're trying to help Hannah study, and th- she said, I need to have something that's like my annoying kitty that would always be growling at my leg. They put a Ted puppet that Blockbuster did sell. um. That uh, when you push it, it just blurts out random quotes from the movie. And she goes, oh, my kitty is a foul mouth bear from Boston. And that made me laugh because I'm from here. And we have to like Seth MacFarlane, even though Family Guy is obnoxious as fuck. But um, the Orville is great. The Orville is great. And he's actually great on it, which is strange. So it, it balances. Um, this is a great exchange that... Would have been in a movie like Clerks And the last line would have totally been From Jay or Silent Bob There's some stoners that come into the store That are basically supposed to be them And a lot of the humor comes from them But there, there's a lady in, uh, there, there's, It's actually the stoners in line What's that movie with the alien with the glowing finger That dresses like a lady And they go E.T. all at the same time No the other one all the employees What other one And then the kid just stares at them for a few seconds Why do we even bother with you dumbasses anymore just walks away, and it's random and very funny. Um, but
1: that one fits in, like, the column of this is a store that's struggling to stay alive. Yes. Like, when the burnouts are leaving your store, you're in trouble.
0: Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> um, Wicker Man is the third National Treasure. Just comes out of a random person's mouth when they're talking about the National Treasure movies and who are you a concerned customer and they're like so adamant like for no reason and it's just a great line um already mentioned lilo and saw three confusing the very hungry caterpillar with the human centipede was a great bit um let's see do you have any robert de niro movies where he isn't a naughty grandpa that was a good line let's try it works when they're talking about how to um Get back at the two pranksters Let's try to give them one of the less permanent Versions of hepatitis It's just such a random line And it cracked me up I don't know why um, No it should have been A
1: running joke Is like the the critic did it great But
0: fake movies That sound real Yes I, and that's the thing Something else I noticed about this show A lot of the titles that are on the walls Are real titles of real movies with very generic photoshopped-looking cover boxes, and uh, that has to be some sort of rights thing. Yeah. So just lean the titles all in. All real.
1: Yeah. No. Just lean all in and do dumb film jokes. And like, I would even expound on the Wicker Man is National Treasure three joke. And that's where your mayor of China character comes in to explain, in whatever weird twisted yes. logic he has, of how Wicker Man is actually the third national treasure movie again there's so much fun that could be had with this but it just feels like this is a fur hire someone was brought in like all right beat this into the shape of a blockbuster for us
0: yep and they did um, their
1: best but ultimately just kind of like what the fuck do you want me to do with this this is unusable
0: right a line that really rang true, it's not funny It's just true, is in the Halloween episode They said, we gotta do well Halloween's usually one of our biggest times of year Because everyone comes in here looking for the movies They can't get on streaming services That's a central plot point And they like, it's just a throwaway line You know? And that's
1: why that episode should have been your horror film fest
0: Right um, The line, you haven't had this many customers Since Fifty Shades of Grey made the whole country horny Is a great mm. line Yeah, um, <laughs> The, uh, one of the characters gets a copy of like American Pie 9, which they just make up a funny title for glued to her hand and just looks and goes, damn it, Jennifer Coolidge is better than this. And I liked that line.
1: Yeah, no. See, that's where the parts that work is like when you are making up fake title
0: to movies or fake character stuff. The um, Bermuda truck angle, the elusive um, ever changing location food truck they're all looking for is a funny throwaway gag. Yeah, that's um, a good one. They were arguing over hot um, horror movie and kids movie characters, and someone brought in Jack Skellington at legs for days, man. And that was just a good throwaway line. Scary Movie 2 has the highest concentration of Wayans outside of their mother's house is a great yep, line. <laughs> I like that. That's a good line. Um, uh, let's see. Park definitely has some speeches that resonate, and the longer the show goes along... He seems more genuine. And it's such a bummer that, you know, obviously a guy that really liked the documentary and cared was just given this material. Um, I really think, like, this show could have gotten further if if they just wasn't Blockbuster and they called it Strip Mall and just made it about failing businesses and strip malls today. One of them or, like I said, Halloween. make it about Blockbuster. Yeah, I feel like I, I pitched a few subtle fixes that keeps the No, it would have made it great. But gets you there. One of the, uh, he can't afford to pay the vendors, so they're taking all the candy away. So he's like, are Rare Pogs worth anything anymore? I got a bunch. Or is it kind of like Beanie Babies, right? Those aren't worth anything anymore. And th- th- it was a funny gag. Um, Dude, you drop that in their nostalgia episode. <laughs> Where they, they walk
1: by the comic book shop at its heyday selling Beanie Babies and Pogs, and then they walk by it again, and there's, like, all Pogs and Beanie Babies. Buy one, get one free. Man, you know, we
0: really thought that was going to be worth something, didn't we? This is me being stupid nitpicky, but this, this is a true thing for me. <clears throat> they spend all this time, even the, the opening credit sequence, which is just a quick, you know, stinger opening thing, shows them moving the DVDs through the magnetic release thing. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe you rented it a Blockbuster later than I did. Maybe anyone else listening could tell me. I never remember the cases being made where they were just magnetically unlocked and opened like a regular DVD case. The magnet opened and you'd pull this yellow, like, dowel out. And then you could open it up. And they always show them running them through this in the show. But then they're just able to open the case right up. And I know that's me being nitpicky. But it really annoyed the crap out of me. (laughs) So
1: I had what was called a Hastings, which was a comic book store, bookstore, game store, movie rental combo. Nerd paraphernalia combo. It was a a great store. I loved them. Um, But yeah, theirs was, they were magnetic clamshells that they ran through to unlock.
0: Yeah. And they just opened up right afterwards? Yep. You didn't have to pull anything out? Nope. So that must be what they're showing here. I Too just... many
1: moving parts led to things getting broken. Oh,
0: agreed. Uh, and they, they had were, a hell of a like...
1: time. Like, three times they'd have to run it through multiple times to they get were it annoying. to unlock.
0: They were annoying as fuck. The ones we had before it were those plastic cases with, like, the cream-colored thing on the bottom that they had at, like, Sam Goody to get. And those were even worse. Um, but, yeah, I, I just never remembered them switching to those and thought that I had. It just annoyed me that they didn't look right, but maybe that's the last thing that they had. So, apologize for my oh, new-
1: dude, you could have done a joke there where they find a stolen DVD and they're like, Man, imagine putting in all the effort to get break one of these to get the latest Kevin Smith movie. What's this one called? And then it's just Yoga Hosers 2. Like, who the how does he keep getting movies made?
0: That's awesome. That's Again, oh, it's a good one.
1: You do. The jokes were the people that remember how annoying those stupid things were. Yep. You do a joke for people that understand, you know, petty theft and how annoying that is. And then you get a joke at a director and a dumb movie title.
0: Yes. Oh, the the ones in on the critic were the best. Uh, yeah. This is a random funny joke that has nothing to do with blockbuster, but I liked it tomorrow. My mom asked me to tech for the vagina monologues at her church. Oh, so that explains why you have an inflatable labia in your car. I've been turned down by six therapists. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a good line and it's very that character. Um, I like, this is just like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, which I was convinced was a true crime documentary, but by the time I realized it wasn't, I was mesmerized by the story of those morally compromised teens. is said with such conviction by an older lady that it killed me. Mayor of
1: uh, China line, right there.
0: Yeah. Wait, does normal Tinder still exist? Yes, but it's mainly used for buying and selling used furniture, is a good line. So I don't uh, know
1: if I fully understand that joke, but I'm uh, old, it, so it, I it's a
0: joke it. about Craigslist. Yeah. Cause people used to use Craigslist to date, uh, whatever. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm well aware.
0: I'm just saying it's like, I kind of get the joke, but I also I, don't think the joke totally works. It's how it's said. It's basically someone just comes out with it with conviction and they don't question it. So it's just kind of like, Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, the last time I dated, we all hated Anne Hathaway for some reason is a great line. Yeah. Um, there's an episode where, hilariously, Eliza's trying to get her husband with subtle hints to take her to a French restaurant. So she's in the foreign film section of the store having a FaceTime conversation with him. But then he realizes because he sees the um, Born Identity poster next to her that that's the thing that clues him in, you know, because Born Identity took place in France. Okay. I didn't remember that. It's very silly. It's been um, a very
1: long time since I've seen the Born Identity.
0: Yeah, it's not. Uh, uh, we gotta tie, try the new fresh rest, French restaurant. We have six months tops before it's a Jiffy Lube. Ah, yes, the French restaurant to Jiffy Lube pipeline is strong in this town. Was was a good random line later. Good joke, was,
1: but it doesn't work though. Like it is not correct. a Jiffy Lube; it's something else.
0: Correct. Um, my it's ex a is spirit on Halloween, on, Halloween. That's the joke. My ex is on his way to sandwich hell to pick up my Monty. Antichristo Anticristo is a good one. Sandwich Hell comes up like every couple episodes And the sandwich names are funny And that was my favorite one Um, Someone came in asking for movies They were a substitute teacher And they didn't want to teach So they were trying to find movies And he he names like The Blind Side And all these other ones And they go oh that's in the White Savior section And there literally is one And I was like "All right, that's good (laughs) That's really good Yeah I can Um, get behind that We need to do inventory. Last week, I went to I went to rent a copy of La La Land, and inside was a loose piece of deli meat. Arguably, an improvement is a good line. Yeah. Um. You you complete me is actually a dating app for people who are into wordle sexually. (laughs) Is a good line. Uh, No, it doesn't work because it's too now. That's the problem. Um, That's gonna. It's irrelevant in a week. It's already Um, out of date. Like people Do you are have the any world. copies of *Son of the Mask*? Everyone looks at her strange. It's my husband's birthday, which means sex. Jamie Kennedy is the only person who can get me in the mood. Needless to say, we haven't done the Jamie Kennedy experiment with your air quotes in a while. Here, take it for free, really. Trust us, nobody but you wants this movie. That <laughs> is a, a golden experience.
1: line. That is a golden line.
0: Um, two stoners entered. We'd like some Doritos and some snow caps. This is on the episode where the vendors pull all the food. You know we normally have snacks to sell you. Well, today we don't. What? And you guys call yourselves a restaurant? And that's literally how they end the line. Yeah.
1: <laughs> perfect line. That had Slagathor just crying. I am
0: Perfect it, line. <laughs> but it's so few and far between. So, So what it really comes down to is we spent a lot of time talking about the fact that there was nothing that was going to make this good, I don't think, uh, because I think the approach to it was just uninspired. It, like yes. you said, it's a cash grab. Um, it didn't need to be, you know what I mean? But it is, and there's there were twenty different ways they could have made this better. We just talked about them, and it's 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 freaking disappointing. And it's it's a side effect of the streaming wars.
1: Everyone is racing to get the thing out there. That will be big and flashy and catch everyone's attention. But ultimately, like
0: if there's no passion behind it, it's just a waste of money. Well, and what what's what sucks, right? is that the documentary, the Last Blockbuster, is the closest thing I have to a time capsule of what that was like, you know, outside of the commercials, right? This gets it so wrong. And it's going to be something that people are going to, if they remember it at all, which likely they won't, people are going to try to think this is what it was like. And that's the most annoying part. You know, it's like, like, like I said, when we were talking about the office, things like the office, things like office space, things like that. It's generic office building. Lots of people can relate to it. This was a very specific thing. Like, like, Hollywood video blockbuster the the big name corporate video rental store thing that boom it's not going to happen again and this is what we're going to remember it with a freaking generic sitcom
1: yeah and that's the thing is it had like the the parts are there for this to be successful And that it's just so bland and generic and cash grabby and just dull and soulless.
0: Yeah, soulless is the big one.
1: Yeah, I just, I,
0: why? Exactly, and and, and that's the thing, right? We said it earlier, making it take place now would only work a certain way And they didn't do it that way So instead it just feels like It's chasing It's always going to be behind the ball Most of the jokes that we just went through That are still funny Are outdated immediately And if they're not They're nostalgic But they're nostalgic for something That would have been a better show
1: Yeah And that's why you should have said it in the 90s Is then the jokes have already aged Right of and course, and kind of poke fun at stuff to come,
0: right? You can do the winky, like it's okay, because w- is everyone's going to rent a Blockbuster, where there's never not going to. And and I'll tell you what, in two thousand two, it certainly felt that way. In two thousand two, I couldn't have imagined a world where you didn't have that because we didn't have anything else. Netflix had just started. Yeah. Well, there wasn't anything else.
1: No, like all the jokes you can make for me. This period accurate, like oh, cool. The newest Se- Steven Seagal movie's
0: out. Man, is he ever gonna miss? Right, right. <laughs> it's it's a good thing he's not overly political and in our face.
1: Just like any other number, like the jokes are there again. Someone coming in with a big stack of Beanie Babies, going, man, this is my retirement
0: plan. Right. No, seriously, you you, and and that's the thing, right? They say it now, and it's a groaner. It's it's cringy, but you do it then, and we look back and go, ah, yeah, we know. <laughs> we really did think,
1: yeah, no, there's so much potential. Like again, there's a Jurassic Park joke to be had in there somewhere. It's like, wow, this is a great movie. I wonder if we'll ever make a sequel. Right.
0: No, absolutely. Oh, there's... <laughs> it reminded me of a line that I didn't write down, but this was actually a pretty good one. Um, in the episode where everybody's coming in because of the solar um, flare, he goes, Quick, double the price of all the sequels. Everybody <laughs> will pay top dollar to find out if Iron Man lives or dies. And I was like, yep. that's pretty good. <laughs> I liked that. Oh they get man. Someone in the writing room was one of us.
1: Yeah. And, no, and you can, you can were... tell. There's a couple good jokes in there, and I feel like they're the ones trying to guide this show, but they're kind of weighed down by the fact of they have to beat something that was never meant to be into a, a good shape. You know, okay, we got to make this look like Blockbuster, even though this, is, this was never meant to be, and we're working against the deadline. And we are our hands are kind of tied. I don't know. Again, best call would have been made this period one. Again, they could have done a PlayStation One demo with demo with everyone
0: looking at the graphics and going, "Oh, it's so lifelike." Right. You could have had you could have had an entire like two episode arc about the Pokemon Snap machine. Yeah. No, really, do some deep digs to you
1: know, uh, the original, or go back to you know people things actually remember like. Man, does anyone ever buy those gumballs? Right. And then go to the joke,
0: those gumballs made up a quarter of our profits last year. No, seriously. That's the kind of shit that, like, they could have peppered this show with stuff like that, and they didn't.
1: But that would mean paying somebody that worked for Blockbuster to
0: give them notes. But they literally have one they could walk into and just talk to the people. That's the annoying part, like, right... And, and this this is where I come full circle around to you know my the, the the point of of this it's one thing to just say this sucks I don't like it which is is the truth it sucks I don't like it 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 annoys me it upsets me because I lived it and frankly I find it offensive right fine I can do all of that sitting as the annoying white guy on the internet sure but what really pisses me off is, all of the people that thought the documentary was this big middle finger from Netflix to Blockbuster, when the documentary was actually made some by somebody out of love, this is Netflix's true middle finger to Blockbuster. We cared so fucking little about you that we're going to do this cash grab, and most of the jokes in the show are going to be how we killed you. Yeah. That's the real shitty thing, right? Is how lazy this is. Yeah. No, they're just
1: going, hey, we made a pretty penny on your, you know, documentary. Now we're going to take the name and put it on this sitcom we've had sitting on the shelf.
0: Yeah, and that's it. And it's it's a goddamn shame because this could have been something great. Like, you do this the right way, this has that 70s show, Stranger Things, that type of nostalgia potential. If you find a hook that draws people in and they just, they weren't interested in that hook at all. Yeah, and
1: that's the funny thing is after that documentary, a lot of people had newfound you know, nostalgia for Blockbuster, which is funny because a lot of people are like, how can you be nostalgic for, you know, the store that ripped you off on rental fees? It's right. Like, yeah, well, time eases all edges and you kind of start remembering all the fun, good stuff. And again, we were so optimistic back
0: then. You're right. And th- that's... You, you, yeah, you gotta set We need a show in like 1997, 1998 we need, we need something where the world was our oyster And nothing bad was gonna happen
1: Yeah And again, that could have been this show The audience is primed already Because that documentary did nothing but make people more nostalgic For a store that
0: probably pissed them off a lot During the oh, time Oh, so much, so much And And that's the thing, like I You know, when I was working there, was I, like, nostalgic? No, I fucking hated it when I was working there. You know what I mean? The day-to-day, it sucked. But then you look back on it and you go, holy shit. Like, no, that was actually kind of awesome. You know? Like, I got to rent five movies a week and hang out with my friends. And, like, we were out and awake when no one else was. And we basically got to, like, run the geek underbelly of town right like we're the ones you know convincing the guy at the local game shop to reopen at one in the morning so we can go and play D D after we get out of work where we kept we kept the local dollar movie theater in business and went and saw jay and silent bob strike back three times a week you know it, it these are i just all...
1: thought of another great joke though yeah They get the overly complicated standee for Independence Day, which is, you know, the big giant alien. And they're putting it together and they're talking. And someone says, there's no way in hell the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is going to be an action star. (laughs) That is the kind of joke that would work at the time. Because, again, it was a conversation a lot of people were having. And
0: it resonates again right now. It's perfect.
1: Yes. And again, you have the joke when they're putting together, how many damn tentacles does this thing have?
0: That's freaking awesome.
1: Because again, that would have been one of those big, or it would have been the spaceship with the death beam. Yeah, It would have been a big elaborate standee that you're just cursing the whole time looking at the Ikea instructions that came with it.
0: That was one of the last movies I remember being huge at the mom and pop stores cuz Blockbuster hadn't come into our area yet. We we got Blockbuster in like 97, 98 around here. Um so we were pretty mom and pop heavy and there was this chain called Video Craze. There were like 3 of them. And I remember Independence Day they had 210 copies of it. Like that was that was the first like VHS blockbuster, I remember. You know, like a movie that I remember in my life going, wow, that's a lot of copies of a movie, you know, because that one was yeah. huge. And
1: that's that's your callback joke because when people are going, excuse me, do you have the uh, Independence Day? You can make the joke going and you said he'd never be an action star. Yep. OK, he makes it work once, but there's no way in hell he's going to make it work twice. i love it because again if you are lived then or you live now you know that will smith just kind of went off on a hot streak
0: he really did and he earned it yeah fucking amazing well in (laughs) in fear of talking too much about something that i'm really glad i had a co-host for because i would have run out of ways to say it stinks over and over again um, <laughs> this was great thank you for joining me on your first talkbuster ever yeah thank you man I think it's a huge deal this gets um, me on all of them yes exactly right um thank you all for listening making it a talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening and I hope this is enough so you won't have to put yourself through the blockbuster show and instead can keep your memories. Or just go to the actual last store and make new memories. But this show ain't it. Bye everyone. Bye bye. Ba, da, ba,
1: ba.